Well, from growing up in Queens to writing shows about them, Gary Janetti has achieved the dream of many, making a successful career creating TV in Hollywood. Writer, producer, executive producer, creator, voice actor and author, he's worked on Will & Grace, Family Guy, Vicious and The Prince. He's here to uh, bring his witty quips and tales from his books entitled Do You Mind If I Cancel? Things That Still Annoy Me and Start Without Me. I'll be there in a minute uh, here in the country with a show called An Evening-ish in Oz with Gary Janetti. Welcome to you, Gary. Thanks, Andy. Happy to be here. I just arrived. We don't really have sitcoms and writers' rooms in the same way as you do or the same kind of velocity or intensity as you do in the United States. What is it like inside these rooms? Is it a viper's nest of creatives trying to outdo (laughs) each other or something a bit more supportive? A viper's nest. I like that. Do you know, I guess it would be, it would depend on the room that you were in and what show you were on. Uh, but it, sometimes, I mean, to be quite honest, it can be a combination of both. I think there's a certain healthy competitiveness that kind of, you know, where people kind of want to, you know, like at competing to get their joke in the scripts, basically. So sometimes that can be super competitive. But usually I found it, it's like everybody also is super supportive of each other. And it's, you know, it's it's in good fun. I understand you still write for Family Guy uh, and have yes. done so since the first episode in right. 1999. <laughs> You've said yeah. that writing Stewie and Brian are the most fun for you. What is it about channeling their voices in your brain that is such an enjoyable experience creatively? It is. You know, it's funny. I remember when I saw the very first time before I even joined the show, I met with Seth he, it was, um, if you can believe at this time, 25 years ago, they, they gave us a VHS tape to watch like a six minute presentation. And it actually had been part of Seth's uh, senior thesis project. And when I saw Stewie, he had like a, a dark gun and he was shooting it out at Lois and he's out of his sandwich and the family looks at him after he shoots this gun and he says, what's it just you staring at? It's tuna fish and nothing else. You know, and it was just this very, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'd never seen anything like that. And I was like, I would like to write for that. You know, he, he just captured my imagination. And I thought that there was potential there for something that I hadn't seen before. And, you know, cut to 25 years later, I'm still right. <laughs> I still think <laughs> the same way. I literally still feel like it's so fun to write for him. He's it's, you know, animation also allows you to kind of go to places that you can't go in live action. And also, you can make these characters weirdly, you know, kind of sympathetic and have pathos in ways that you maybe didn't expect when they first started out, which makes it even more interesting to write. The show you worked on in the UK, Vicious, starring Sir Ian McKellen and Sir Derek Jacobi, it was obviously set in England. Did it require a bit of a shift in the way you wrote to channel the English sensibility? Because this is something that you're fascinated with, the English sense of humour. Yeah. You know, I also very much like the Australian sense of humor, which I I believe kind of weirdly sits between both the American and the British. Um, No, you know, it, it wasn't. I was always afraid, you know, something would seem, you know, it wouldn't feel particularly British. But I think because I had been such a fan of British comedy for so long, and I just also, you know, if you're writing characters in a kind of a truthful way, 
Yeah, people didn't know. Most people didn't know the person who wrote Vicious was American. In fact, when it came to the States, all the reviews were, you could only see something like this in Britain. <laughs> only the Brits can do comedy like this. It's so specifically British. And I'm like, well, it's actually not. <laughs> it was completely written by an American. I was kind of like, you know, faking it a lot of the time. Sometimes they would tell me, you know, certain words, you know, Ian, like to say that's, you know, it's an Americanism, darling. We don't say, yeah, that's, no, we would not say that. That, you know, so they, they love to catch me in in mistakes. But in general, yeah, no, I, it kind of um, it kind of just flowed. You began a satirical characterization of Prince George and his sort of sassy thoughts and the royal family on, on Instagram. Australians have a sort of different relationship. They are obviously still our head of state. And so we both resent and revere them. We can make fun of yeah. them, but also we grew up in, uh, some of us grew up in a time where the Queen was uh, in a framed picture above our uh, classroom uh, chalkboard. So Americans, though, you're not shackled with any of that. You can just go for the go, go for the jugular. No, we don't. We don't have that. That that really has it frees you up for any cultural uh, connotations. You really can just get stuck in as you've done. Yeah, you know, it was all the whole thing. It was just it was meant to be silly. It was just you know satirical. It was obviously not based in any kind of truth. I mean, Prince George was you know a tyrant. And I started it. I think, you know, he was always meant to be five years old. But yeah, we don't we don't grow up, I guess, with that same kind of um, reverence to it. It's almost kind of like it just feels like we get a kick out of it a little. You know, it seems kind of fun. But, you know, taking the piss, which is something that's very British and also, I, I believe, Australian, is something that sometimes people have a hard time doing with the royal family. And, you know, and I believe that, you know, nothing's off limits, you know. If you just join me on RN Drive, writer, producer Gary Janetti's here. Uh, he's in Australia. I'll give you some details about his upcoming show. You had a two-book deal for your personal essays and you took some time to sort of ruminate on your past for this. Did you feel like you were mining your childhood for material, sometimes traumatic material, or, or was it more enjoyable reflecting back on your life? Andy, you're so well researched. I have to say, you've given you're asking the most thoughtful questions that I that I've been asked. Before. Well, this is where I, I lower my voice <laughs> and you cry. This is the part of the interview. <laughs> you can't see me, but there is one tear, like Demi Moore and Ghost, kind of going right down my cheek now. Uh, that's a good question. You know, writing personal essays. I think when you write for TV for so long as I did, mainly on Will and Grace and Family Guy, you know, and I have a way, you know. You can I can communicate something, but I'm doing it through characters, you know, so there's kind of a, a distance between me and the audience in a way. So it's either through Jack and Karen or Stewie and Brian, you know, so it gets filtered. So if anybody's unhappy with it or doesn't like, you know, it's not it's not me, you know, there's a layer between it. So this was the first time I was like, oh, I have to remove that layer and kind of, you know, write, if I'm going to do this and write about things that are that are me literally i'm not i'm not filtering it through somebody else i'm not writing about this in a in a in a kind of a backwards way to get that through so yeah it was a little it's scarier you know you make yourself vulnerable you know when you really are like well this is me so and you can either you know like or reject this but but that's what it is so 
and mining trauma. <laughs> you used to, yeah, sure, that can be kind of um, challenging, you know, to be like, oh, I, what? how do I make this thing that was kind of not pleasant, um, somewhat amusing, you know, funny for, for a reader? Um, and, you know, I, uh, yeah, so I think that that was something that was a little tricksy, but I ultimately enjoyed. You write and talk about your time working at the Paramount Hotel in New York in your, mm-hmm. what, mid-20s. It's a pretty glamorous My mid-20s, pl- yeah. uh, pl- place, uh, but but you're quite honest about the fact that working there didn't help you progress your career. No one was going to talent scout you there. I found it kind of refreshing that you didn't try and glamorise that aspect. I'm, I'm curious to know, have you ever been back to the Paramount as a guest? Uh, not as guest, you know, it's... it's uh... Yeah, it's not that fabulous, to be honest, Andy. At the time, it was. You know, at the time, it was the beginning of Ian Traeger. It was his hotel, and he was the one, if you're not familiar, I'm sure most of the audience isn't, but Studio 54 in the 1970s was the disco that Ian Traeger opened. Then he went to prison, you know, for tax embezzlement or whatever, came out and hotels was his new thing. So this was the beginning of the boutique hotels. They were the first ones. So in Manhattan, there was the most glamorous place you could stay in the world was the Paramount Hotel. And at the time, I thought, oh, my God, I'll get a job here. And then all the people, you know, all famous, you know, writers and actors and directors and everybody stays there. So somebody's bound, if I put myself there, somebody's bound to discover me and then my career will take off. You know, it was this insane kind of delusional way of thinking that I had. And I'm just kind of waiting, you know, for somebody to kind of draw out of me what it is that I wanted to do when actually all they wanted to do was for me to get their luggage, you know, (laughs) as they should, since I was a bellman. (laughs) I mean, I I gather you're you're asked a lot in interviews about the the TV that you watch, what's new, what's great. And, you know, you clearly love what you do, but I'm always curious about why some people are TV people and some people are film people in the creator sense. So apart from great writing, what makes truly great TV in your view? Well, you know, the difference that uh, primarily, as I see it too, for me personally, between TV and film is in in TV, the writer is, is the boss. The writer is the showrunner. The writer has complete creative control. In film, the director has the creative control. So I prefer to, you know, be the person who has all the control, which is in television. Very and... revealing. Very revealing, Gary. A bit of a control freak. <laughs> I can see well, it. Andy, you're, 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 yeah, you're, you're doing a real Oprah interview on me. So <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting it all out. So I also like, you know, I've, I've always been more of a TV kind of person. I, I like when you know characters or when a story gets to unfold over a kind of a more leisurely amount of time. I'm much more apt if I'm looking at a movie to watch that's on TV and I'll be like two hours and 20 minutes, I'm like no way. And then I'll be like, oh, this this series is only four seasons and 10 episodes a season. I'll do that. You know, mm. it's like the, the idea of it, you know, in these digestible kind of um ways uh episodes i i prefer right now actually a show that i really love is australian a colin from accounts have you seen it yes yes yeah. uh, i think it's on stan in australia uh on some of the streamers what do you like about that because there's some yeah very parochial australian humor in that comedy 
it, you know, it's almost like working in a candy store or an ice cream parlor. You do, you know, you get sick of eating the ice creams because you're around it all the time. So most of what I watch on TV is not comedy. Um, I'll watch like um, Top Boy, which is on Netflix in the States, at least, which is a British crime show about um, dueling uh, drug dealers, which is brilliant. It's so fantastic. Like that I'm more interested in. It, I'll, I'll become more absorbed. But comedy, it's so you know, I don't know, there's just a lot of it that I, I'm like, okay, it's, you know, not for me, but Colin from accounts, it has a point of view. There's a, it manages to be funny, but I like, you know, it's not trying too hard. Sometimes we have an expression when something seems sweaty, you know, it's like, you can tell when people are kind of trying too hard. And, um, I always find that to be something a bit off-putting, but when people are just have a clear point of view of what the story is that they want to tell and the characters and who they are, it's much more enjoyable for me. And I felt like Colin from Accounts just had that. And it also felt very specifically specific to those people. And it also felt very Australian to me, like just the sensibility of it. It, it was clearly, it was not quite American, but we we get it all. Yeah, Patrick um, Brammel uh, yeah, plays I, I like Gordon. Him. He's excellent. Gary Janetti's in Melbourne this weekend and in Sydney next week for his show An Evening-ish in Oz with Gary Janetti. Great to have you. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for having me, Andy. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.